1: Once again Yes Another episode of Flashback Fridays Yes I'm Rob I'm Mike And we're here to Educate you on some of the history Of the Jay Zaman podcast Educate is an awfully powerful word Yeah Let you listen to That's better There we go <laughs> Although with our first episode There will be education There will be Yes It is number two episode of Reaper Rick's Tree Frog Exposé Cafe the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks. <sighs> Fun loving bunch of people. And see,
2: Canada has uh, actually banned members of the Westboro Baptist Church from coming into the country.
3: Uh, I was just That's how that.
2: noxious these people are.
1: Yeah. They were going to come up to uh, protest a funeral of the Winnipeg man killed on the bus. Yep. And they're intended to convey the message that the man's murder was God's response to Canadian laws permitting abortion, homosexuality, divorce, and remarriage. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sorry for
1: uh, being free. Well, you know what? I agree with him. What? Ja. Yeah. Remarriage? Are you insane? Oh. <laughs> Dude, you just got out of it. Don't jump back in. <laughs> Hey, I'm
2: out of one bear trap. This
1: bear trap will be fine. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I may not have made it through the first one, but I'll miss this second one. Yes. Uh, (laughs) idiot. Everything else, no, I don't agree with. No. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Uh, Let's let's, see what uh, Reaper Rick has to say. I think I might agree with a bunch of what Rick has to
2: Mm,
3: say. Yeah. these
1: guys. I'm thinking, too, this... This one says uh, Reaper Rick returns to talk about the six scum suckers known as the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks. And then he moves on to happier, nicer things. Yeah. Yes. Here it is. Reaper Rick number two.
4: I'm Reaper Rick and this is news views and reviews. I have to admit that a couple of hours ago I was really pissed off and this episode would have been very angry episode. However, after an hour or so of research on the subject I'm going to speak on shortly, I'm no longer pissed off, I'm just fucking tired, exhausted mentally. And I don't know exactly how to approach this topic. I don't have too many rules that I I use to govern my life, but one of them that I've, I've always adhered to was never ever enter into a discussion about either politics or religion. Now I, I I don't care what your views are on politics. I don't care what your beliefs are concerning religion as long as you don't try to foist those beliefs onto me. I have friends who are conservative I have friends who are liberal I have friends who are independent and don't really care about politics anymore I have friends who are Christian and not not Christian doesn't matter you can be a friend and have your own belief system I don't care um I, I consider myself a pagan, and pagans believe that all life is sacred. That includes animals, birds, whatever. All living things have spirits, and they're all sacred. However, It has come to my attention that some people feel they are so special that they can get away with anything all in the name of God. Some of you I'm sure, have heard over the past few years of the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks who are based in Topeka, Kansas. These people have, for the past few years, garnered a lot of headlines for picketing the funerals of soldiers who were killed in the Middle East. And these people hold picket signs at these funerals which proclaim God hates fags, thank God for IEDs, and they've even held up picket signs that say, Thank God for 9-11. Now the uh, the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks feel that the deaths of our soldiers in the Middle East, the deaths of the people who died in 9-11, and the deaths of people who have died here in the United States as, the re- as a result of mass murder are all the result of God punishing America for allowing and tolerating homosexuality They feel that homosexuality is destroying our country, destroying the moral fiber of our country, and that everyone, pretty much, is going to hell, except, of course, themselves. Uh, The Westboro Church of Fanatics and Freaks was founded in the 1950s by Pastor Fred Phelps, who had 13 or 19 children. I can't remember how many exactly. And his entire congregation is basically comprised of his his own family members, um, and a few people who have married into the family for whatever reason. And the entire congregation numbers, probably under a hundred people. But because of the uh, First Amendment rights which uh, allow freedom of speech, these people are still able to go to funerals and protest in the way they do. Shortly after the massacre at Sandy Hook, where 20 children were gunned down, The Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks said they intended to protest the funerals of those 20 children and six adults who were killed. And that comment prompted a response from the American people And there are now three petitions in front of the White House. Well, not in front of the actual building, but they are being prepared for the White House, the president, to take some sort of action against the Westboro Baptist Church of fanatics and freaks. There are three petitions that Americans are signing which would A. Label the Westboro Baptist Church of fanatics and freaks as a hate group. Petition number two asks the president to revoke the Westboro Baptist Church of fanatics and freaks tax exemption which for 50 years or so you know as a as a functioning church organization has been working tax-free for all these years so, Basically, the taxpayers are helping to fund these fanatics and freaks and encouraging them with money to continue their antisocial, hate-filled acts. The third petition, it's up before the president, basically combines the first two And asks President Obama to declare the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks to be a hate group and revoke their tax-exempt status. Neither one of these, or none of these petitions, will stop them from doing what they do, but It might slow them down. And since we are not allowed to actually remove these people, we have to do some other thing to stop them from spreading such grief and hatred. I think these poor, ignorant people have been brainwashed. And the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks is a cult run by Fred Phelps, who uh, at this point has is rarely seen anymore so hopefully he may be closer to God than he thinks but even his death will not slow down the group because his daughter has essentially taken over for him but regardless something must be done to Eradicate this small group of scum-sucking cockroaches from being allowed to continue their hate-filled protestations. I, uh don't know why they are allowed to continue why they have been allowed to continue except of course for their First Amendment rights the West Bureau West Borough sorry Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks has a website that anyone can go to and uh, see what they're priorities are the website is called godhatesfags.com so it's easy to find and their spiritual leader has stated that uh, the deaths we have incurred in the Mideast east and uh, the mass murders that have occurred here in this country is God's revenge on the United States for tolerating homosexuality. Phelps says, We pray for more tornadoes. We pray for more hurricanes. He prays for those things. So more Innocent people may die because we tolerate homosexuality. Thus far, at least at last check, um, over 260,000 people have signed one or more of the petitions that are uh, up for President Obama to uh, do something. About the Baptist fanatics and freaks. Um, and unfortunately, I, I suspect that petitions are going to be the only way that we can do something about the Westboro Baptist Church of fanatics and freaks. So, I I would, I would, you know, suggest that anyone who feels the need to shut these ignorant, stupid people down should go to the Westboro Baptist Church fanatics and freaks petition. Uh, You can Google it and uh, sign the petition. I think it would be a a good New Year's resolution for everyone to help shut these freaks down. Uh, Just my opinion, of course, but, you know, seems like a good idea. Part of the reason this uh, hurts me so much now, of course, is the fact that they would even consider picketing the Sandy Hook funerals. Uh, They apparently did not do that, or else I'm sure we would have heard about it. Um, But they wanted to. They wanted to do it. So, I think if uh, anyone has an ounce of feeling for the people, the parents of the victims of Sandy Hook, you might consider signing the petition to stop the Westboro Baptist church of fanatics and freaks from continuing on their mission. Just a thought. I should also mention that for anyone who's interested, if you're on Facebook, there is a page called Fuck the Westboro Baptist Church. Now, you don't have to like that page if the name offends you for any reason, but if you go to that page and scroll down a little bit on the right-hand side, you will find a link that will take you to the page where you can sign the petition or petitions that would uh, label the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks a hate group, and also revoke their tax-exempt status so that makes it pretty easy for anyone who wants to sign the petitions and I guess that's it for the news portion of the program now we'll get into my views I, I believe I've already expressed my views toward the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks. And I should also mention that they don't just hate homosexuals. They hate Jews. And apparently they uh, pretty much hate anyone who doesn't belong to the Westboro Baptist Church of Fanatics and Freaks. So... That pretty much encompasses everybody except them. And since we're already on the subject of uh, homosexuality and false gods, I think that I should, you know, announce that uh, I have no problem with Christians sexual orientation. I've known gay people pretty much my entire life. I've had a lot of gay friends. I have a number of gay friends right now, uh, at least on Facebook. I personally don't get out very much anymore so I don't uh, have a lot of friends that I actually deal with on a daily basis pretty much one, but I haven't, uh, had face-to-face contact with any of my friends for two and a half years, which really has nothing to do with this, but fundamentalist Christians seem to have a severe problem with, uh, gay people. Um, I know that uh, they feel that God hates gays, but frequently fundamentalist Christians have a tunnel vision for everything except what they believe in. I, uh, I have one quote which states homosexuals should be rounded up and placed on an island by themselves so they can't reproduce. I'll just let that sink in for a moment because, well, I, 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 I don't know for sure where this person was located. I suspect they might have been from somewhere in the south part of this country and and I don't mean to offend any of my friends who are from the south my wife was actually born in Alabama but she fortunately was raised in California so most of the southern taint was removed from her but that's, that's the general attitude of, of many fundamentalist Christians who hate gays. They feel that if they're isolated from normal people, they won't reproduce any more gay children. And yet, they claim that homosexuality is against the grand design because you can't reproduce by having sex with a same-sex partner. Well, they also believe that Gays can be changed and made normal again. But <clears throat> if gays are not born gay, how, how do they how do they think that gay people appear? If they aren't trained, somehow, to be gay, why are there so many gay people? And since same-sex sex sex does not produce offspring, why are there more gay people? It's a... uh, conundrum, I believe, that they don't understand and they express their non-understanding every time they open their ignorant mouths and spew forth stupid, ignorant speech. I... I'm having some trouble with this uh, episode because I cannot understand how so many ignorant people are here. gays can't reproduce but stupid ignorant people can and they do they do it over and over and over again and each time an ignorant stupid couple have children their children are more ignorant and more stupid than they themselves are. And those stupid, ignorant children will reproduce. And their children will be even more ignorant and more stupid than their grandparents. And it just keeps dropping the IQ level keeps dropping. The shallow end of the gene pool is so crowded right now. The thing fundamentalists should be worried about is that in 50, 60, 75 years America will be so full of ignorant, stupid people that nothing will be able to be done. And I'm at a loss for words to even express my frustration at this situation. I know not what to even say about this how is it that God favors these ignorant
3: Cretans,
4: and yet God hates fags Okay, I'm back, I'm back. Yeah. <clears throat> may not seem like it, but that uh, last portion you were listening to was recorded almost 48 hours ago. And I had to just stop and collect myself. And it took me a little while to, to get back to my usual jovial self. Uh, That was just a really hard segment for me to do, but now I'm back, and since we were talking about gays, I'm going to uh, share some of my uh, experiences that I had many years ago. not that kind of experience, relax, but... When I was in college, I had, had a gay friend and, uh, after college, he, he moved up to Hollywood or down to Hollywood, I guess, depending on where we're, where we're talking from. But, uh, <clears throat> Hollywood wasn't very far from where I live. So periodically I, I drive up there and, uh, you know, hang out with him for a while, spend an evening and, uh. One night he asked me if I, if I wanted to go to a gay bar. And I thought, well, sure, I can do that, no problem. I'm not a big fan of alcohol, but I have partaken of uh, spirits in my life, so I didn't see any harm in it. And at, at, this, at this time, it was in the middle to late 1970s, Um, the AIDS epidemic hadn't appeared yet. So Hollywood and the gay parts of Hollywood were still quite active um, and were frequently visited by gay people. And there were a lot of bars up there then, uh, can't remember all of them, but like they were like the Rusty Nail, the Hayloft, Queen Mary, uh, you know, places like that. I, I used to enjoy going to the Hayloft with, with my friend because uh, on one side of the bar, well, actually it was a big room, on one side of the room they had bales of hay set up so you could sit on them, and then they had a big screen at the other end of the room and they showed movies. And they were usually, you know, having something to do with, uh, um, gay or transgender type of thing. Uh, they used to play some Like It Hot with Marilyn Monroe quite often. And they also had a lot of the old Hercules movies back in, the, back in those days, but... <coughs> excuse me. Regardless, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was a little bit nervous going to gay bars, you know, but uh, nothing ever happened. I mean, I was hit on occasionally, but because I was, you know, with my friend, I, you know, that didn't go anywhere. Um, one thing I, I noticed about gay bars, however, was that uh, the, the, the the guys that went in there they didn't go in there to get drunk. You know, they went in there to cruise. Basically, they would have a drink or two, but they were basically cruising for a partner. Uh, so they didn't get drunk because that would uh, make it a lot harder to uh, meet someone. Uh, whereas straight bars, which I spent a lot of time in when I was younger as well, you go to a straight bar and of the guys are there to get shit-faced, you know, let's face it, they go out and they get drunk, and then they get arrogant, and then they get pissed off, and then they fight. And That's not what I went to bars for. I usually went to bars with friends, you know, and we would have a few drinks and, you know, talk about whatever, and uh, then go home, but I never went out to get drunk. If I wanted to get, you know, just shit faced, I'd do it at home. Which I didn't do very often. But regardless, you go to a gay bar and everybody is exceedingly nice. All the times I went to gay bars there was only one incident where a guy got drunk and obnoxious and that was because he had broken up with his longtime lover that day and he was trying to erase the memories I guess so but that's the only time I've ever went into a drunk at a gay bar so you know I mean that's pretty much it nothing uh, ever happened to me at at, at a gay bar I I I should mention though that when you go to a gay bar you go to the bathroom and they don't have like a, a normal bathroom situation with you know a row of urinals and then a row of stalls and like that they usually just have a, t- a small room with a toilet in the toilet in and a sink because they don't want any more than one person at a time in the bathroom that would just obviously lead to problems so <clears throat> I I was at this one bar with my friend and I had to go to the bathroom, and I went to the bathroom, and I did my business, and I noticed that there was a, uh, somebody somebody had left a, a bottle of beer, or a beer bottle, let me put it that way, a beer bottle on the back of the toilet there, and uh, I wondered about that, so I went out and asked my friend, I said, why is there an empty bottle of beer in the bathroom? You ready? Yeah. He said, Well, people go in there to urinate, and if they feel like it, they will urinate into the bottle. And whoever left the bottle there to begin with will go back in a little bit later and take the bottle back out into the bar to drink what other patrons left for him and sure enough went back into the same bathroom about an hour later to uh, do my business again and the bottle was gone so that doesn't uh, necessarily mean anything unless you're into that but uh, at any rate I've I've been uh, around a a lot of gay people in my life, and for the most part, they're uh, generally very kind and intelligent people, and I uh, see no reason why people of a certain faith would condemn them simply for a lifestyle that is different from their own. Not everyone can be perfect after all, so, you know, we just have to live with what we got. And I guarantee you that most people rub shoulders with gay individuals on a daily basis and just don't know it because gay people um, are in all walks of life. You know, I was a Boy Scout, and there's Boy Scouts are having a big problem with gays right now. <clears throat> but uh, when I was in the Boy Scouts in the 1960s, I know for a fact there were gay Boy Scouts in those days, because I knew two of them in my own troop. So being gay in the Boy Scouts is not something new, and we went on many, many campouts and slept in little tents together and there was never any kind of uh, problem with anybody we we had no no sexual problems at all so I don't know I think this whole gay fanatical problem is is a, a ridiculous waste of time And that's pretty much my opinion on that. So, on to something else. I know that uh, Terry D. Schur on on his podcast has been talking off and on a little bit about uh, the ancient astronaut theory. I would just like to toss my two cents in there. Most of uh, our ancient civilizations, the uh, Sumerians, Mayans, Native Americans all have creation legends that depict gods or star people coming down from the sky and instructing them in how to live better, how to plant better food, how to move to places that are better suited for living. And most of them seem to claim that their God spirits, their star people came from the constellation Orion. I'm sure most of us have seen the constellation Orion in the sky, especially in the winter. So if you aren't familiar with it, you should all go outside late in the evening and look up and you'll see Orion crossing the sky, chasing down Taurus. And beyond Taurus is the Pleiades. But Why would so many different ancient cultures who were thousands and thousands of miles apart have the same creation legend? Even Christian doctrine states that angels and gods came from the sky and helped them. Moses, Jonah, Enoch, they all had experiences with angels or creatures who came from the sky. So every single culture nearly in the world can trace their lineage back to stark creatures or beings who came down from the sky and created the world, created man, did all of these things for man to help man, to help mankind. So, can they all be wrong? Each, each culture has their own god or set of gods, they always have. But as each culture fades away, those gods fade away as well. And yet, each new set of gods comes from the sky. Because that's where gods reside, in the stars. So we must believe some of these people are correct, and we can only assume that since we are, after all, stardust, we are made from the stars, that would be where our gods and star people originate, from the stars themselves. I have to remember that the Earth is, contrary to some Christian belief, the Earth is four and a half billion years old, and for millions and millions and millions of years, the Earth was predominantly run by
3: dinosaurs, amphibians, reptiles at different periods.
4: So, mankind has only been on the planet, essentially, for a million or so years. Civilization has only been for 10,000 years, maybe. Well, there are plenty of planets out there that have been around longer than we have, and since... Man, basically, has only been on the Earth for 10,000 years. There's a lot of time and space out there that could have produced other beings, other intelligent beings. So, to finally say that there are no other beings out there is ridiculous. Even the Vatican, not too long ago, admitted that there may be intelligent creatures out there in space somewhere, and the Vatican has the largest library going back more years than anything else in the world, so they would probably know if anybody did, if there was really something else out there, all they need to do is admit it. But regardless of what people believe, I mean, they're going to believe what they want to believe, but history is frequently proven wrong. So, just because people have said for hundreds of years that there are no intelligent creatures out there doesn't mean they're right just means it hasn't been proven yet okay so now I'd like to uh, get into a quick review here because I'm running out of time I just wondered if anyone out there has picked up on the uh, the the fringe tv show that's on science the science channel um apparently it was originally released in like 2008 and ran for several years and i i don't know why i missed it when it came out originally but the science channel is rerunning the uh the episodes and it's, it's quite an interesting program, especially if you are at all interested in other dimensions, other realities, alternate realities, alternate dimensions, altern- alternate universes, because they are delving into that aspect of science, along with... Um, experiments that were done on, on human, human guinea pigs in the 70s and 80s, um, and how those experiments changed the people and made them, well, different. They're able to uh, see things that other people can't see. They're able to accomplish things that other people can't accomplish. And we all know that the uh, the government experimented with LSD uh, in the 70s. And uh, I think that uh, they may well have experimented with other things, too, that uh, we're not aware of. But if you're interested in uh, offbeat things like that, uh, sporing... Possibility of alternate universes and alternate dimensions. Um, check out an episode or two of The Fringe. Uh, it's on Science Channel, I think, Tuesday nights, maybe. But you'll have to check your local listings to uh, find out for sure. But it's it's definitely worth a watch. I I find it uh, quite compelling, actually. So. Check that out if you have any interest in it at all. And while I can no longer afford uh, the movie channels on cable, I was able to watch the, the first season of Game of Thrones. Uh, it's uh, from the books written by George R. 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 Martin, and it's part of the Ice and Fire series. The first season was um, just amazing. They did an amazing job of, of trying to keep to the story, although, of course, the, book, the books are so much better. But if you're into, into fantasy at all, <clears throat> sword and uh, sorcery and dragons and all things prehistorically medieval. Um, The Game of Thrones, which uh, the second season I believe is ongoing now. uh, You should check that out too. And I need someone to tell me what's happening this season because I can't watch it. And I I
3: loved the books. The books were incredible. I think there are four or five of them now.
4: Um, But anyway fantasies for fantasy Game of Thrones or science Fringe check those shows out on TV if you know you have any interest in them at all I enjoyed them both very much and uh, I would hope you would too so I guess that's it for my reviews this week I I just uh, was so blown away by the first part of this podcast that I just kind of lost myself, and uh, beyond that, I think we can safely say that those people are wrong. They are incorrect. They are lost, way lost, brainwashed. They're gone. I don't think anybody can help them, even if they wanted help. So for now. Since I'm pretty much out of time, I will say good night, and uh, hopefully I will check in with you next week. All right, so long, man. Stay on target.
1: <laughs> I still say remarriage, dude. No, don't do it. But that's just me. Yeah, uh, I can be like that. Let's see, where were
2: we going after that? Uh, you know the uh, the selection is uh, wide
1: and deep. It is. I got so many tabs up on my computer. It's like, which one were we going to look at? Okay, here it is. Who's the boss? Number 11. There you go. Uh, Sounds kind of dull on my voice, don't I? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Give yourself a little more gain.
2: There we go. Ah, that's better. Now I'm better. Much, uh, much
1: gooder. I'm gooderest of all. Gooderest. Oh, yes. Gooderest. I got a thesaurus. Yeah. This week's <laughs> sit down with Dave as he gives everyone an update on the MythWorks Corporation's final two projects and the status of the other divisions within the company. This is obviously before Jason. Yeah. Yes. A
2: business. Mm-hmm. This is almost like a. a, a uh, a conference call. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Kind of. That would be like a, a two-person conference call.
1: Yes, with
2: everybody else listening in. Yep, and ah. not being able to input. It's like the FBI. That's just like my work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the guy standing up high on the mount, dictating.
1: Mm-hmm. And it doesn't trickle back up? Nope. You can only listen. I'm not saying Dave's a dictator. He's a what? Dictator. Oh, tater. Okay. you got to get us fired <laughs> with jokes like that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Play the episode. Save us. <laughs> okay. Ooh, here comes Dave's awesome episode. Who's the boss? Number 11.
5: Welcome to Who's the Boss? This is David K. Montoya with you today. Uh, still sitting in the chair and enjoying the warmer weather as spring is arriving. Um, normally, I'm a person, I, I do like the cold, but... You know, after a while, I think it's it's safe to say that um, I'm, I'm welcoming some short weather. You know, put on some shorts and t-shirt and just enjoy the warmth. I'm kind of cold out. Uh, not really much on the schedule to talk about. Um, one of the things I did want to talk about, because I had received a few emails, people asking me, well, what's going on with MythWorks? Uh, you know, you... You put out a, a release in January saying that you're going to produce these two books and that's pretty much the last thing we've heard. So I, I decided I'm going to go ahead and give you an update on on MythWorks. Um, though a lot of people may think that MythWorks is completely dormant. That's not necessarily true. Um, we are still working on two books. Uh, one through our Christian brand called GISG Heavenly Merchant. or No, excuse me. GISG Heavenly Publications. Um, GISG Heavenly Merchandise was actually the original name of the company. Um, when we purchased it, uh, the LLC was Heavenly Merchandise, and we converted it into a publications brand. Um, we still have a book coming out. Actually, it's pretty much completed at this point. It's going to be an anthology. It's called Spiritual Awakening. Um, and at this point, what had happened so far... Uh, everybody's written their stories and sent it in to Sarah St. John, who was the editor. She edited it and she put it into a format and she sent it over to me. And now I'm just kind of readjusting the format for our printers. Um, I really wanted it out sooner than what it's going to happen, but just because of so many other things that's going on, it's just taking a little bit longer than originally anticipated. Um, so what i'm doing like i said right now is i'm just formatting the book everything's set um and then once i format the book then we're going to produce it into an ebook um and that might that's that's pretty much what's taking the longest is you know because it's going to be a pretty thick book and uh you know going in and and doing html for an ebook you know that that takes a while so that's what i'm working on right now um I'm hoping to have it out by sometime this month. Um, but you know, we're, we're not a hundred percent sure. Uh, last time I spoke about, I had mentioned something about a contract and I had checked legal with it and legal said, well, it was fine to go ahead and continue with the project. And, and so we are moving forward as we originally planned. We wanted to, like I said, have it out. Originally I wanted it out by Easter. Or at least by Good Friday, rather. But, uh, just because of the way things are moving along, that's obviously not happening. But I'm very happy with the way that it's, it's come out. And Sarah has done a, a tremendous job on not only doing the editing, but finding the best stories to, to go into this book. Um, initially I wanted to present a story into this book as well uh but unfortunately for me i just haven't been able to get into that mode of writing for the last several months it just been i I guess i'm having writer's block is essentially what I'm, i'm experiencing at this point nothing creative as far as writing is coming out now i can get in front of a mic right now and babble for an hour you know, four times a week, and that's not too difficult at all. But as far as writing words, um, I'm having a, a tough time with that. So keep your eyes open. It's it's called Spiritual Awakening. It's through GISG Heavenly Publications. And hopefully like I said, they'll be coming out pretty soon. Uh hopefully by April. No, no later than May obviously and then we have another book that's coming out and i have no clue when that's coming out because it's just such a big book of information and right now it's called the evolution of mythworks and it's what it is is a a book that tells a story of not only about me but the company that i built uh, you know starting off at life sign studios in 1992 and going all the way up to MythWorks Corporation in 2012 and you know there's a lot of of information that people don't know. Uh, Obviously there is people that know but uh, there's information that kind of behind the scenes stuff or before the internet what was the company like before then and I'm, I'm trying to find pictures to to correspond with what I'm telling in the story and it's, it's a fun book to put together. Um, right now there's been a, a few people that to help me, uh, kind of rattle my head and and bring back some memories because it's, you know, trying to remember 20 years ago, that was a long, long time. And so, uh, Terry D. Shears helping me write the book, uh, S.M. Morton, who, uh, was editor-in-chief of the company way before the internet came along. She's helped me, you know, come up with some ideas. Uh, Alan Rousseau, he's put in some stuff. Even my brother, Randy Lofgren, uh, you know, he, he helped me remember some stuff from the very beginning that I totally forgot. So this book is going to be good. And I'm taking my time with this one because this is it. This is my coup d'etat as far as myth works. Um, after this book, there's no more myth work books on the, the slate. And if this is the final one, I want it to be really, really good. And uh, it, it's, it's telling the, the complete story. So for the reader, I think it's appropriate you know, to tell the best story that you can, if it's going to be your last story to tell from that, that brand. Um, and another thing that we're going to be doing is we're, we're doing differently. Is we're not going to be going to like Barnes and Nobles. We're not trying to outsource to Target or anything like that. Now, we may sell the book with um, Amazon. And of course, we'll carry it on Myth Mart. But other than those two venues, uh, I don't plan on putting it out anywhere else. And that was kind of one of the reasons why uh, closing the the company came into forefront was because we had contracted with this distribution service, and the distribution service contracted out to all these different online stores and really didn't tell us who was carrying all our books. And that way, there's a, a big opportunity to kind of say, okay, well, we, we haven't sold no books. But because the distribution service is so wide to all these different stores, you can't really track and see exactly how many books you've actually sold. And that way, if bringing it down to two markets, Amazon and MythMart, you know, will know exactly what has been sold. And another thing that we're doing is we're going to be releasing rights back to the authors uh, from all the books. And one of the requests that we're doing is as though we're releasing the, the rights back to the, the authors. um, we're going to be requesting that if if someone purchases something of theirs on MythMart that it'll go straight to the author and the author then makes the order to us, MythMart. And that way it's just a better way of doing things because that kind of cuts out the middleman. The author becomes the middleman. Um, you know, that way the author is a hundred percent sure that they get their cut. So what would happen is, is that someone would order their book. They would get the money through, you know, PayPal or however way they pay it. And then they contact me and say, okay, we'll print this book for this person. And then they pay me you know, to print the book. And I think that just works out a hell of a lot better than what we're doing before, just because I'm not taking the books out on a new market. I've also been asked about the the cartoon that we acquired, the broadcasting rights, and that's pretty much dead in the water. Just to be honest with you, the, the person that we purchased the, the rights from um, it was, it was a dumb move. It was a dumb move on my behalf because he was, uh, engaged with my sister for many years and, and no one saw the, the breakup coming. And it's what happened. The, the two broke up and when he left, he, he wanted his broadcasting rights back so we we had to give him his broadcasting rights back and the contract became null and void and that kind of ended that contract so don't expect you know any cartoon from Mythwork Pictures anytime soon just because again we're not looking to to purchase any broadcasting rights at this point I don't know what it is with making pictures or making cartoons it's It's the only thing that just kind of, I don't know, I I can't even explain it. You know, um, we've tried three times that I can think of uh, to produce something to visually watch. Um, We were going to make a Smash cartoon. Well, it was a Smash animated movie uh, back in the early part of 2000, I think it was like 2001, 2002, something like that. And, um, you know, that, that fell through. It was, it was, a it was a surefire thing. It would have worked if, if I would have had everybody 100% on board with the plan, that would have worked, but it, it just kind of imploded. You know, there was just too many people involved and it just kind of went to hell and then let's see 2007 2006 2007 when we were doing the body bag movie um, you know I, I thought I had it guys it was um, I, I put a lot of effort into that I rewrote the script and um, you know I hired the actors and, and had everything set and And in fact, you know, at how I was doing it, literally, guys, I was working thirteen days straight, took a day off, worked thirteen days more, and that was equivalent to making like an extra, say, two thousand dollars a month. And I did that for five months, and I I made the ten thousand dollars budget by myself. And I had lost like 50 pounds and I was, I was ill and I was sick, but I just, I had that drive, you know, I just wanted to make it happen and things just fell apart again. Uh, just, I guess one thing I've learned in this process is you've got to have everybody on the same page, you know, and with this one, you know, we actually had two different actresses to, to play the main role. Um, and both of them dropped out. Unfortunately, one of them dropped out literally weeks before we started the shoot. And um I just, I gave up, you know. And then there was that legal issue with Independent Films who said, well, we own the rights. And it, so that one fell through. And uh, that one hurt the most, to be honest with you, because... With the Smash cartoon, I, I didn't feel so bad about it because it wasn't necessarily me that caused the demise of that project. Um, you know, it was everybody... I wasn't the only executive involved. And as executives go, I think I was the only one who was actually doing my part. So when it fell apart and everybody else just couldn't handle what was needed of them. I didn't really feel that bad because I didn't feel like it was my fault. But with the body bag movie, it was my fault. There's no question about it. It was my fault. Um, You know, I was the producer, the director, the writer, the, the casting agent. Um, You know, I was doing it all. And and it was for that reason because of what had happened with Smash. And I felt that, well, if I did it all myself that way, you know, there wouldn't be entanglement with other people and we could get the project done a lot quicker. And, you know, shit still just fell apart. It doesn't matter how hard one person tries. Anytime you have something, a project with m- multiple people, and it doesn't matter if it's a movie a comic book a a, a book or of anything if you have a project with multiple people and they're not on board and they're not giving you your 100% it doesn't matter if you're producing a 1000% if not every, if anybody other than you is is doing the job it's not going to be accomplished and um you know i i I just, I failed and that's the only time that I feel that I I've actually said I've failed at a project. Um, and so that was number two, number three, obviously was with the monkey ears, um, cartoon. We actually had started, we, we already put it together, uh, a test demo. We are t- testing animation, um, we had like this small little teaser that was already put together, you know. Things were moving nicely, and when when things fell apart between my sister and the creator of Monkey Ears, um, you know, it just air I just fell apart. Wow, what a shock! Huh? It fell apart, and um, so we just kind of walked away from it. So, the moral of this story is that, number one, you're going to have to do everything yourself. Number two, you need to own the rights. Don't buy rights off of somebody else. Come up with your own stuff. And number three is have actors that are committed. Have real actors. Don't have friends come in have real actors come into the the scene the mix and that'll be that'll be the day when I can get all three of those things together then I think that's when the movie strike or the movie curse or whatever is issue with me uh, as far as making movies that's when that'll come to an end but you know that takes a lot of effort and diligence to make all that happen you know especially for one person and you know we'll see what happens you know there's something in, in crawling in me that there's a story that needs to be told and it is my creation you know there's nobody else's creation it's my creation and uh you know maybe the fourth time will be the the you know the thing the uh fourth time to success. I don't know. So yeah, we're not, per- there's, there's other than two books, you know, there's nothing coming out of MythWorks. works. Um, we are keeping MythMart open. And I, I think I mentioned that already um, with the, the online magazines, they are closed. And what we're going to do eventually is we're going to put all the magazines, you'll go to each magazine online and you'll see their covers and you click on the covers and you go into that issue for free. Um, there isn't going to be nothing new with either magazine. There's nobody on board for editing. There's nobody on board for staff writing. It, it's vacant. It's gone. It's empty. And, um, you know, I, I think we ran our course with, the world of myth and with Herotica. I don't think I know I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong, but I, I think we've gone as far as we can with those, you know, um, we've produced 55 issues of the world of myth, you know, and we've produced hundreds of stories, hundreds of artwork, you know, everything, hundreds of everything. And, um, you know, we did the same thing with Herotica. You know, we we produced top quality material. And I think that we just came to an end of the online magazine. Now, I know there's there's still online magazines out there. But, you know, it's just not what I'm wanting right now. Because every single issue other than a few... Um, a few, few years ago, we hired this guy, Dan, or I think his name was Dan. Was it Dan? I don't remember. But anyway, um, he did some HTML work for the, the magazines and it just didn't work out. So then I came back in and I was doing the HTML work. And let me tell you something, folks. It, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of hours to go into each issue. And I'm just not dedicated like that anymore to put that much work into it. Um, you know, I'd rather sit and, and ramble in front of a microphone for an hour than sat in my computer chair and, and type away HTML coding for hours on end just so, you know, an issue will be up. And I'm sorry if that sounds like I'm being selfish. I am sorry. I'm not trying to be selfish. It's just the way I feel right now. You know, never say never. You know, never say that the world of Myth or Herodical will never come back. Never say that. Because both magazines have been gone before. And both magazines came back. Um, you know, it's it's about me and where I'm at unless someone comes in and says, hey, you know, I'll be the editor-in-chief of the magazine and I'll do the HTML work and you don't have to do nothing. I'll take care of it all. And if that were to happen, then, yeah, the magazine would come back. I I would tell you right now, the magazine would come back in a hot minute uh, because I just don't want to do any more html work. I try to do very little html work. Um if you notice how fairly simple the JSON podcast or just the Jazelman production site as a whole how very simple it is. And that was because I just didn't want to get fancy with the the html. I wanted it to be very simple, very straight to the point. And um you know, I think after almost 10 years of doing the world of myth, doing Herotica, doing all our websites that we had going at the time. I think at one time we had like seven websites going at one time. And I was doing the HTML for all of them, plus everything else that I was doing. And um, essentially, I guess I got burned out on it. And with that, that's why I've decided to to keep the magazines closed is just because I don't have it in me right now to to go back in and and start spending dedicating that much time and effort into producing the magazine because let me tell you if it's going to be something that I'm producing I'm going to make it the very best I can I'm not going to make it crappy Uh, I'm not you know it if it's my names on it, it's, it's going to be to the best of my ability. Um, you know, so for now, it's just, we're just going to walk away from it and, and see what happens maybe in a few years from now. You never know. Like I said, never say never about anything. Um, opportunities always presents itself when you're least expecting it. So, if there's an opportunity to arise, neither it be for the online material, whether it be for a movie or a cartoon, or whether it be producing people's books again, um, you know, I never, how do I explain this? I never completely shut my mind off to it, you know, because there's always that probability that someone will come to me and make me an offer that i can't refuse and within you know moments time everything that's been laying dormant would kick right back up into full operation and uh that that's pretty much it for mythworks you know it's just we're just trying to finish out the last two projects and um there's still some paperwork that I got to do to convert the, the story rights back over to the authors and, and, and all that good stuff. And then, um, then that's it. We're done. And then, uh, from there on out, I'll be working over here at Jaiselman. And, um, you know, it's just, it's Jaiselman's like the cabin in the woods, you know? Um, you have Mythworks, which is this bustling company in, you know, downtown L.A., or rather in Las, Las Vegas, um, you know, big old corporation full of people, full of activity, full of chaos, and then just to get away, you go to the cabin in the woods, and it's just nice and quiet and peaceful, and you do what you want, and, and that's what Mon is to me. It's my cabin in the woods. It's, there's no stress. There's no worrying about deadline. Well, that's not true. Um, there, there is, you know, obviously the idea of we've got to meet our deadlines because we are obligated to put something new out every single day, six days a week. So, yeah, there is, there's a little bit of pressure, but you know, it's not hard to, to produce something that, is fun and and doesn't require that much effort as into talking. And like I said last episode, you know, there's there's going to be more stuff to come out of Jay Solomon than just podcast. I mean, well, stuff other than podcast comes out of Jay Solomon right now. You know, we just finished our 15 week run of The End, you know, the f- series 1 or uh, uh, season 1 of The End. I don't know why I can never get that correct. You know and uh, we did that for 15 weeks straight which is equivalent to damn near four months straight every week and you know that's a big accomplishment and of course i think i, I mentioned this last episode that you know we're going to be taking the the end and, and putting it into a paperback and an ebook and an audiobook so you know there's still stuff that's coming out and um I had an idea to a a way of merging our podcasts and our publishing, but I'll, I'll wait a little bit longer and and see what we do. You know, as far as um, we need more episodes, I think at this point just to, to make everything I want kind of come to fruition as far as that. So, there is more stuff to come out of the Jayzo modcast, um, uh, as far as podcast, you know, because like I said, we, we do something every day, six days a week. And then there's more stuff to come out of the Jayzo mod publications. Um, and, you know, that's, that's pretty much <clears throat> how do I explain this? It's, um, It's stuff that I want to do. You know, I don't have to go to a board of directors, a board of trustees, or shareholders and um, say, hey, you know, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do this and get their approval and then we move forward. This is pretty much me saying, this is a good idea. I want to do this. I want to write this. I want to produce this. And that's pretty much it. That's how we move forward. You know, I don't have to talk to anybody else uh, you know, get their permission. And I guess that's what MythWorks kind of turned into. MythWorks was, I mean, it'll always be my company because I, you know, own a very large stock in it. But it's no longer just my company. You know, I have to consider everybody that's involved financially, you know, the, the shareholders and whatnot. And it, it became an animal that I didn't want to control and it's my fault I, I take complete responsibility I made it something that I didn't I thought I wanted it to be but then once it became what it what I thought I wanted it to be it was it was too much for me to to handle and um I'm not strong enough I guess what it comes right down to is I'm not strong enough to to Keep that animal in control, you know, and um, I did the only thing that I knew how to do, and that was essentially, I did, I'm not going to say kill the animal, but I tranquilized it, you know, it's, um, it's sleeping in the corner very peacefully, and as it's sleeping in the corner, that makes it much more easier for me to manage. Wow, that was a bad metaphor, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm going to have, uh, PETA people or PETA you know knocking at my door Where's your tortured animals it was metaphorically it's no there's no tortured animals here no so um that's what's going on with everything right now at this point uh like I said we're we're working on spiritual awakenings which I'm I'm really looking forward to and um I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to the evolution of MythWorks. I just, I hope and pray that that comes out as good as I see it in my head. Um, and then after that, that's it for MythWorks. And then we go into the, the J. uh publication projects for my stuff. And, um, you know, I don't know, because never like I said never say never you know I, I've I've talked to Russo recently and, and he mentioned you know about please publishing or producing you know one of his books he's he's got another book coming out and surprisingly enough he's actually written it and it's kind of the same process of the same ideology of Evolution of myth works. you know because he created um uh, New Blood Films. And that was something that got really strong and kind of almost the exact same thing happened to him that happened to me, I guess. And I should have taken that for an example, but I didn't, you know, I was too stupid to realize it. And that was he took his company, his little company, um, and built it up to be something big. And once it became big, it became too big for him to handle. And once it became too much for him to handle, he lost control. And, and that's kind of how the demise of the New Blood films came about. But anyway, um, he's writing a book about that. It's called The Rise and Fall of New Blood Films. Um, I've got to read a few chapters already. And, uh, it's very informative stuff that I didn't know about. You know, um, like he, he created the New Blood, um, concept. Well, it was Before it was New Blood, it was called Russo Films or something like that. And, uh, you know, he created that in high school, and I had no clue. I, I had no clue at all. And um, it's it's a good book. It's a good read so far, and I've enjoyed what I've read so far. So, you know, Russo's my buddy. You know, I, I've known Russo for almost 13 years, and, um, you know, I don't know. He, he wants... To be, he wants me to be involved in something like that because you know I I pop into the story as well with the new blood film story you know because there's there's more to what I do than just uh, you know publications you know and, and Russo and I have a long history of um, a business relationship so yeah I pop into it as well and and he's wanting me to produce it and I am considering. You know, doing the, the producing, the book producing, nothing 100% certain right now, um, uh, because it's still being written and it's probably going to take a while for him to tell his story as well. So we'll see what happens as far as that goes. So you know, who knows? I might end up doing a, another book as a producer, you know, making a little bit of extra money. We'll just have to wait and see on that one. You know, it's something that's always in the cards. You know, it, it's, you, you can never rule anything out. It you know, that's just the way life is. So with that, um that might keep me busy as well. And then of course with the, the podcasts and if you haven't noticed um in our website now for each show, right above our RSS feed links, our image links, you'll notice there's a, a new banner that says listen to us on Stitcher on demand radio. And we are now part of the Stitcher family. They syndicate us. Um, great, great folks. I'm, I'm very excited to be a part of the, the Stitcher family. And I'm not going to really get too much into it because in a few weeks you'll listen to "Win in Burbank I I literally did like a 33 minute long stitcher advertisement about uh you know what you can get out of stitcher and 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 listeners and whatnot so I'm not going to get too far into that because I don't want to be redundant in what I'm saying you know to everybody out there that's just in case you guys do you know go between the two different shows um but just know that Stitcher is another option to, to listen to the Jazel Modcast Network. All our shows are on there. And the, the big thing for us is you can listen to them on your phone. You download their mobile application, whether you have an, an iPhone or you have a Droid device. Um, it's compatible with both systems. So if you're on the go, you can listen to us if you really feel like listening to us while you're on the go. And I'm, I'm very excited about that. And I'm very honored and flattered that the Stitcher family has allowed us to join their network of, of huge names. And I, I suggest, uh, you guys go look around and, and see what else they have in there because there's some really big names uh that they carry as well it's just so cool to to know that um you know i was able to accomplish something else in my life you know i I started the the podcasts to reconnect with friends and family and that is happening um you know i think i mentioned that this week just the other day when uh Aaron and I did a, a solo cast on Seeing Red. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's just something that I wanted to do to reconnect with people that I care about and to, to get a following was very flattering. Um, uh, you know, and, and now we're just, we're slowly making our way up the the rungs of the ladder. You know, we, we started with iTunes and, and now we've moved into Stitcher and and who knows what the, the future holds for us, you know, as far as the Jaisal Modcast, um, you know, because we just sit down and we talk as friends. And while we try to involve the listener to make them feel that, you know, you're part of the conversation too, you know, it, it's essentially still a conversation between you know, old friends and and family and you guys enjoy listening to it. And, And for those who go in and listen to it, just one show, I thank you. It means a lot to me. Um, and you know, as we get more episodes under our belt, I think we get better and better and hopefully more entertaining. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the future holds for the JASO Modcast, you know, because I'm completely 100% content with where we're at right now. Um, I don't see a need for another upgrade. Uh, you know, we took February off to, to do a upgrade on the system. And I don't know if you noticed, but we are a little bit more clear on the, unless you're listening to this on the premium, um, then you're about the same on the premium, but if you're listening to this on neither the Jaisel Modcast website or you're listening to this on iTunes, or you're listening to this on uh, Stitcher now, uh, we're a lot clearer, and that's because we're running at a higher bit rate. You know, we we brought in some more equipment. We 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 try to make it a little bit more professional for your entertainment. Um, uh, as far as the actual conversation in the shows itself, it's pretty much the same. Um, I don't know if you noticed that we are making some adjustments to the show to, to make it more entertaining. You know, we were actually adding segments into the, the show. Um, we tried to bring in like a special guest host on one of the shows last weekend. No, weekend before last. And then, um, you know, just just kind of a little bit of odds and end things to, to make things more enjoyable for you, the listener. And if you have any comments, go to the comment section. It doesn't, you know, just post a comment. If you want to start a new thread, start a new thread. That's very cool with me. And, you know, we're always interested in what you think we could do to make the shows better as, you know, neither it just be one show or the entire whole, you know, we're always interested in what you guys have to say, because if you guys didn't listen, you know, there really would be no point to making these podcasts, you know, they'd just be sitting there dormant with no one listening to them and it would be purpose, purposeless. Um, so yeah go to the forum and and post you know whatever you think is good bad indifferent just let us know um i do have to say though and I, i'm trying to make this uh for all the podcasts that i, I say this at least once and that is um unless it's business oriented please do not email us at info at um If there's a business venture or you're wanting to, you know, purchase advertisement time from us, then please, yes, uh, send that to the info at jazelmon.com. But if it's just a fan note, then please just post it up on the forum. Um, because it, it, it gets kind of tough to figure out, you know, because we get a lot of spam mail and try to figure out what is a, a fan letter. Or what is a spam? You know, because there's, there's lots of uh, professionally stuff looking out there that may look like just a regular email for business or whatever, and it might actually hold a Trojan horse virus in it. You know, so there's a lot of emails that I, I do delete that look suspicious. But if you just have a, a comment, just go to the, the forum and just make a note. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely answer you back. But if it's a fan comment, please do not send it to our email address. Because there's a high likelihood that it will just get deleted in the long run. That's just a little bit of food for thought. Um, I think that's pretty much for this week. Um I just wanted to, to sit down and, and kind of cover everything that was going on. Mainly with MythWorks. And to kind of catch you guys up on the speed of things. Um, we do also have one other thing with MythWorks that we're trying to figure out, and that is uh, comic books, you know, because we have a whole division of comic books that never got launched, and we're just trying to figure out what we're going to do with those. And, um, I don't know, we're, we're still kind of at the crossroads of trying to figure out what we're going to do, you know, because we have books that are actually ready to be published, but we don't know if it's a, a smart idea for us to to go the route that we, we always do with releasing comic books. It's, uh, it's kind of neat because it's almost going full circle. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out, you know, in, in the crossroads of things. Um, I don't know. But I, I definitely want to get the comic books out. But again, I just don't know when will be the right time uh, just because of the new digital medium that's come out, the new e-comic books, and um, you know, I I can admit that I've lost touch with that area of my life is comic books. You know, I haven't read a a comic book, a new comic book in, in ages. Um, Even though I just did get a new iPhone and I downloaded the comicology app and I've been reading through, you know, some of the the free sample stuff, Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, But for the most part, I think I am out of touch and in order for me to go in and, and start producing comic books to the mass audiences once again, I think I have to kind of pull myself back into that world and know what exactly what the business is now because the business has completely changed from you know the last time I was there um I realized that when we produced Sergeant Iron back at the end of 2010 I noticed I was like holy shit you know the the business as we know it is completely changed you know because a lot of people were wanting to know when the the e-comic book was coming out. And I was like, e-comic book? I didn't even know what that was. So there you have it. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Uh, come back next week as we continue to try to find the answer to the age-old question of who's the boss. I'm David K. Montoya, and have a good night. Dave, you are a magnanimous
2: and honorable... And generous leader. I think you're amazing, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't fire us. This, if it, of all the podcast networks that the, that Rob and I are associated with, this is the best one. Absolutely. Bar none. Yep. You can put them all together and this one will always rise to the top. Absolutely. I said, when you get to the best, you always stop at the best. Exactly. Should we
1: tell them we don't? Yeah. No? Okay. Yep.
2: Thank you, Dave. Thank, Thank you. you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. As we balance creep.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, this is my favorite episode that we're now going to broadcast. Uh-oh. Movie Madhouse number four. <laughs> it's also the saddest. Oh. Yes. Oh, this is the unleashing. No, this is the last one. Oh, that's right. Before we brought on Jason. <sighs>
2: It's been that long since we've been happy?
1: I know. It's hard to believe.
2: I know Jason doesn't hear this, but...
1: I think he should. (laughs) 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 We're doing movie madhouse number four. This week, Mike and Rob talk about their love of Despicable Me 2 and how the Lone Ranger has been a bomb. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) That leads into a strange conversation about Westerns. They also run down the top box office grosses for the weekend and get psyched about the release of Pacific Rim.
3: Wow. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it kind of dates it, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can just say you get excited about the release of Pacific Rim 2. Bump, bump. Bum. I gotta stop doing that
3: yeah, shit. Yes, yeah, you do.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we give Movie Madhouse a listen to? I hear they're pretty cool. I, I like them. Especially the first four episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is. Number
2: four. <laughs> and welcome back to the movie madhouse it's the uh, july 9th edition i am mike i'm Ra and welcome back everybody do you know the significance of uh july 9th it's after july 8th close it's two days after the most significant day july 7th my birthday july 7th
1: Oh, there was that going on, there? was that
2: there. going on, yes, yes. I forgot all about that. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I feel the love. Anyways, they're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about some movies. So,
1: did you see anything worthwhile this week? I did so. What did you see? I actually saw something you saw, and it happens to be our number one movie this week, is yes. Despicable Me 2. Oh, what a fantastic movie. Yes. What a fantastic movie. I think I
2: enjoyed this one more than the first one. I have to agree with you. This one, I think they uh, they knew what they were going for, and they went for it with both
1: hands. And it was it was just end to end. It was funny. Oh, and like you said, in the first one, the minions were the nice tease, mm-hmm. and they realized people love the minions. So in this one, you see them a lot more. Give them what they want. They're more pivotal, you know. <laughs> and of course, the end. Uh, during credits not the end of the movie but the during the credits oh yes like in the first one it was all 3d oriented you know how close to the screen can you get so they do the same thing in this one with the big saw coming out of the screen <laughs> I loved it
2: I I didn't see 3d because we all know my loathing of uh, 3d but it, 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 that the end credit part was it would have been fun in
1: three dimension to see that. Well, see, this is one of those movies you can enjoy either way. Yeah, most definitely. But the added touch of the 3D. This is one of the movies where I feel it wasn't made into 3D. It was made for 3D. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I I agree there. Because there is so much in the movie where you get immersed into it because of the
2: 3D factor. All right, so Despicable Me 2 was number one at the box office. What'd we do for the weekend? Or what'd we do? (laughs) Like, we have any part of that. Oh,
1: yeah, that's my other job. Yeah. (laughs) This weekend, it made $83.5 million. (laughs) And a gross so far of $143 million. Jeez. Which is like three times more then our number 2 slot which was The Lone Ranger. Oh, that's a big smoking crater of a movie right now. Yes, yes. Uh weekend total was 29 million. <sighs> Gross total so far 48 million. Oh man. Not bad considering the budget was 250 million. It's only got to make another 200 million. Uh, no. It's, there's
2: I've been reading online and it's saying Once all the the splits are figured in, uh, the Lone Ranger had to make $800 million to uh, see any any kind of profit at all. Uh, This has got to be
1: one of the biggest bombs of the year so far. I think they were banking way too much on this movie only because nobody of this generation knows the Lone Ranger. If anything, they would have gone for Johnny Depp.
2: Yeah. Well, at least... Everything that I heard about it was, uh, it's Pirates of the Caribbean and cowboy hats.
1: And if you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, you've seen the Lone Ranger. Except people enjoyed going to see the Pirates. I'm not sure why well, they're not enjoying this. Because they already saw it. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and again,
2: like I think, like you said, the Lone Ranger has been out of the public eye For generations now, and it it, nobody knows. And they said it was the older gener. The Lone Ranger was the older generation's uh, superhero. Yeah, it was their superhero then. And it it just and to tell the truth, I've never heard of Army Hammer, the man that played the Lone Ranger. I've never heard of him up until this point when the the movie started to come out. So it it like. Did
1: they bank too much on depth? Like, I'm thinking yes. I'm thinking yes, too, that people liked seeing depth in these wild roles like Jack Sparrow and uh, Edward Scissorhands. Just the bizarre characters. And you look at Tonto with the makeup and... <laughs> it's hard to see the depth It is. Now, I just did a quick look. And before this movie, the last movie that came out was in 1958 about the Lone Ranger well there you go there were two tv episodes that were that came out and one straight to video movie in 81 but other Other than than that the lone ranger has not been a public piece no no
2: i think it was a valiant effort to try and revive an old franchise but i just they didn't hype it like it, it just... It, it wasn't going to work.
1: I honestly believe Disney should have listened to their own creation Toy Story when they said with the invention of the Spaceman Cowboys are out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody goes to see the Westerns anymore no. unless no. Clint's in it. Wow. Well, <laughs> the, the, the Western...
2: <sighs> okay, Clint Eastwood can do in Western now because... He's so tied with that, mm-hmm. but that being said, that's a one-trick pony right there. Well, real
1: quick, what's the last big Western movie you can think of? Uh, Three Ten to Yuma. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the star power it had. Yeah, behind it,
2: that's though. true. That's why everybody. They said that's. I <laughs> said when you think of the, the the current westerns, it it has to be Three Ten to Yuma. Uh, before that. Um,
1: Probably Wyatt Earp. Mm, I would say Tombstone before tombstone, I said Wyatt yeah, Earp. Yeah, okay, yeah,
2: Tombstone. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that had more public draw than Wyatt Earp. I White think Earp so. Wyatt Earp had a lot more fact, but uh, Tombstone was far more entertaining. That's true. That's so very true. There will never be another Doc Holiday under no, Val Kilmer. No. Dennis Quaid did a really good job in Wyatt Earp, but it was not Val Kilmer's yeah, Val, Doc. If a, Val, Val Kilmer he killed it now. Oh one, yes, in Tombstone. And then I think before that was Unforgiven. And that's what started the whole new Western generation. Okay. Clem Eastwood. yeah, Morgan Freeman. Exactly. Goes, Westerns are hot again. No, they're not. Yeah, Clem Eastwood and Morgan Freeman are hot. <laughs> yep. They're the reason they went for that. And I think the grittiness in that particular yes. movie is what kept it yeah. alive and made it what it is.
2: Well, speaking of grittiness, uh, the True Grit remake with... Um, Jeff
1: Bridges. Jeff Bridges. It sure look good. And it did okay, like but, it made I, its yeah, money. Yeah, but it wasn't what the classic was. No, not yeah. at all. Not and at all. that actually, I surprised me because it had a lot of star power: Matt Damon, Jeff Bridges. You know. Yep. But, all right, how
2: do we get on Western? Anyway, sorry, right, let's Ranger. get on, Okay, okay. Um, number three. What was number three this week?
1: The Heat. Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. <sighs> really? Buddy cop movie. Uh, it made twenty-four million. Almost 25, and to grow so far, it's 86 million. (laughs) Okay. Yep, people are loving this movie. I... I've seen the trailers at the show,
2: and it just holds no interest for me at all. Well,
1: secretly, I want to see it. Yeah, again, you're breaking my heart. I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't help it. I I do love Sandra Bullock, and... uh, I'm starting to like Melissa McCarthy. I watched Identity Thief recently and uh oh yeah. really. <laughs> yes. It was a nice combination those two, Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy. Okay, I said
2: I like Melissa McCarthy. Um it's just in small doses. Like half 22-minute chunks of uh, Melissa
1: McCarthy. Mike and Molly.
2: There you go. Yep. <laughs> All right, what else we got here? Number four,
1: Monsters University. Well, that I haven't seen
2: yet. It was was a toss-up between Despicable Me and Monsters You this weekend. You made the right choice.
1: Oh, okay. Yes, Monsters University is okay. Like, it's good. It's got some great moments, but Monsters, Inc. is better. All right. Um, it made this weekend just shy of twenty million, and so far to date, two hundred and sixteen million.
2: Ooh, poor Pixar! Yes,
1: <laughs> whatever
2: are they going to do? I don't know they said their wheelbarrows full of money are going to start breaking.
1: I know they're going <laughs> to buy more wheels and yes. more handles. <clears throat> and then, rounding out the top five, our movie from last time, World War Z. Oh, so the Man of Steel dropped out of the top five? Oh, didn't it? it did. It bottomed out. World War Z, uh, let me see, 18.4 million. To date, 158, Oh, almost 159 million. Wow. Then it's White House down, and then Man of Steel. Now, it only did 11 million on the weekend, but to date it's not doing too bad. 271 million.
3: Uh, that's...
2: It's... I bet you if you still
1: look, where, okay, where does Iron Man fall into this? Is it still? It is still listed there. And again, these are American box office totals. This is four hundred and six million. Whoa! Yeah. So Superman's catching up. Yeah. But you have to realize Superman is sitting at two hundred and seventy-one million. Despicable Me is sitting at one hundred and forty-three million
2: on its opening weekend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think we see which way this one's going. You can see quality. Yeah. In the totals there. Well, talking about uh, Man of Steel. I was talking to one of the guys I work with today, and actually, it wasn't so much the Man of Steel. Like, well, we we were talking about Man of Steel and Batman and how the JLA movie is not going to happen in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Not in this lifetime. But we were talking about the Avengers and how if Disney would ever be able to get back the X-Men franchise... And the Fantastic Four franchise from all the the people, I think Spider Man, Spider Man from Sony. Oh, could you just imagine? I, they w- they would they would go to Joss Whedon and say, Joss, <laughs> go here. And they said, you you have now the blank check of all blank checks. Go make us the greatest Marvel superhero
1: movie ever. I think. It was our friend Jeff on the Facebook page that said if they got all of them back together, it would be a monster. It would just be unstoppable. Oh, yeah.
2: They said, well, listen, if you have the entire Marvel Universe, you have Star Wars, who's going to stop the mouse? Exactly. It's just going to take right over. But the the geek in me, like the prospect of Joss Whedon getting his hands on the entire Marvel Universe or... Even having the entire Marvel Universe under one house and the the, poten- the potential of the movie that could come out of that is just like, wow, okay, like, it, it's just trying to think of, okay, you have to be like a Secret Wars or something like that where you got
1: every bad guy and you got every good guy. That would be actually pretty impressive because yeah. it always bothered me when I watched Daredevil. That some of the major characters in Daredevil weren't in it because they were in Spider Man and it's a different company. Yeah. So therefore they couldn't cross.
2: Wow. And they said, ah, uh, the politics of uh, movie business. Oh, yes. Well, I said, I I can see Disney offering whoever owns X Men billion, billion plus to get it back. Well, they didn't just
1: spend four billion on Star Wars.
2: So. Yeah. Yeah, they've got the pocketbook. They can just reach in and say,
1: "What do you want?" And they said, "We can, uh, we can get it for you." And you know what? Even if they don't have it now, they wait till Star Wars Seven comes out. Oh, boom! They're back in the uh, black yeah. again. And I don't think they're in the red by very much. Yeah. They are at all. You
2: had a good one on the uh, the movie Madhouse Facebook page. Um, your favorite franchises? Oh, the Bond movies. Yes, and. I you and I both got into a uh, <laughs> wonderful little argument about
1: the Bond versus the... I picked I picked the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, and I picked Bond, which is weird, considering I'm the hugest Star Wars well, geek uh, there is. I, said, I think you financed one of the wings of Skywalker Ranch I just by... Believe, uh, <laughs> just looking around the room here. I, I do believe I have helped George immensely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, if you look at it, Bond has got 23 movies out now. Over the span of 40 plus years. Yeah. Now that is impressive just on its own. Okay. It is It is an impressive franchise.
2: I give you that. But I don't think it is as worldwide as Star Wars. I bet you you could play the Star Wars theme song and everybody knows it. You play the Bond theme song... Seventy-five percent
1: of the people know it. Actually, I don't know if I'd agree with that so much because Bond themes in so many commercials. Well, you know, I do believe Star Wars is more recognized than most other franchises. Sounds like we're going to have to put up a poll on the uh,
2: movie Madhouse Facebook thinking page. This is what it sounds like.
1: we'll 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 let we'll let the.
2: Uh... The crowd decide the fate of uh, how this is gonna go. <laughs> I still can't believe I'm going against Star Wars on this. Oh, I know. Said poor George Lucas is rolling over in his bed of money. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> All well, right, Rob. Who? Who's oh, that yeah. guy? <laughs> so we both saw Despicable Me this weekend. We both loved the snot out of that. That I want to go again. <laughs> oh, I know. Said it was, like, there's there's so much stuff that happens. Like, even look at... Yeah, it's one of the ones you got to look into the background sometimes, and there's stuff going on in the background. Oh, yeah. Um, The minions.
1: They make... I want minions. I do, too. I want minions. Sadly, I've developed a way I can make my own minions. Oh. Uh, Of course, I'm going to have to eat a lot of chocolate, because I need a lot of Kinder Eggs. Oh. And then I can turn those little yellow things inside
2: (laughs) into minions. I'll have
1: an army. (laughs) It would be an inanimate army, but still... It's Ar- one step closer. Army-ish. Army-ish. There you go. That's right. If I <laughs> find a way to throw them at people, that would yep. work. So, what else we got here? Well, I did see one of the movies you posted about on the Facebook page, American Mary. Ah, uh, yes. It kind of, you know, piqued my curiosity. I, I read the blog, or not the blog, the little, little synapses. Right up. And it's like, hmm. And then you put your, your two cents in about it. It's like, now i got to watch it. So I did. And you're right. It's not your classic revenge movie. No, said it. It? Is it the character Mary
2: Mason, um, played by uh, Catherine Isabel from uh, Ginger Snaps. Yeah, she. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure of the compressed time frame. I heard it was like a very compressed time frame that they had to shoot this movie, but she went full into this character, like when you when you first meet her she's the stereotypical starving student trying to make ends meet she's hundreds of dollars behind in mm-hmm. rent and phone and bills and like this and then her her professor is a just a royal dick and he's uh making her life miserable and then she gets a gets a break and gets invited to this party with the other surgeons of this hospital that she's interning at and it all goes downhill from there. Yeah. And it's, it's, instead of folding in on herself and, like, she just creates a new Mary Mason
1: and it's it's something to behold. It is. You see a lot in, like you said, the the body manipulation and the body... Oh, what's the word I'm trying to think
2: Modification? of?
1: Modification? Modification. There we go. Um, you do see a lot of that in this movie. And basically her expression in it. Yeah. I, it didn't go the way I thought it would from reading about it. Mm-hmm. It went in a completely different way. But I really enjoyed watching this whole movie. Yeah. It, it's there, There's
2: a couple spots where it's not really for the squeamish. There are a couple. and um, But... It, it, it is, like I said, it it lays it out right where like the the box is, and her covered in blood with a bone
1: saw in her hands. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. <laughs> but now, I can kind of segue into my next movie with this because of the whole blood content. Uh, a friend of mine recommended I see it, and I did want to see it in the theaters, but I never had a chance, was Evil Dead, the remake. I'm still kicking myself over that one, too. Yes. Now... I hummed and hawed when I first heard about it coming out. But then I found out that actually Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were both producers of it. So I thought, okay, well, it can't be that bad. I got watching it. They did modernize it and give it more of a, a, a grit that the first one had more of a campiness. Mm-hmm. This one had a grit. The story this time revolves around one girl that these people bring out to a cabin because she's trying to give up drugs. And this oh, is her intervention. Intervention. Gotcha. One of the people is a registered nurse, so they brought the methadone, they brought the drugs, so they're going to sit here for a week or whatever it takes to get her through this. This is the story that keeps them in the cabin. Okay. I thought, how are they going to stay there? And she kept saying, because one of the characters is the main character's brother, they said, last time we tried this with her, she bolted, so you got to make sure she stays. You can't give in to her. Hence, now they're trapped in the cabin. Okay. Okay. The one thing I found interesting is doing some research into the trivia. This film used 70,000 gallons of fake blood. Okay? 40,000 gallons in the final scenes alone.
4: Wow.
1: The original used 400 gallons. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to have to check this one out now. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of nods to the original. Excellent. Like, cool. The cabin itself identical to the original beautiful it's got the main front cabin the worms in the back the big windows the whole bit and there's even a nod after the credits Ah, oh, okay yes one All of those right. like the avengers you stick around for after the credits same thing stick around it's cool. it's fast it's like three seconds but you'll love it <laughs> absolutely
6: and now a word from our sponsors
0: Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart
2: I did see another one that that's like the complete opposite end of uh, that. I went, I uh, I watched uh, Hitchcock. The, oh yeah, uh, Sir Sir Anthony Hopkins, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Helen Mirren. It's about the Hitchcock um, trying to get Psycho made. I completely forgot about that movie. That was a fantastic movie. Really, like I said, you look at the three main actors. I think Jessica uh, Jessica Biel was in it as well. I think you're right, and uh, she played uh, Vera Miles. They um, like said Scarlett Johansson's uh, Janet Lee was spot on. Really? Yeah. And um, well, everybody everybody playing their part. Was fantastic, as well to be expected from the, the caliber of actors that were in that movie. Um, I it said it, it, it was a fun movie. Like the uh, the interactions between uh, Hopkins and Helen Mirren's character, they play Alma and uh, Alfred Hitchcock, respectively. You know, just the interactions between those two alone is worth the price of admission. It's just. Just going on at each other, kind of snipe at each other, and just—they're an old married couple that've been making movies forever. Okay. And it is—it was—it's a really well-done movie. It looks
1: fantastic. Well, I think I might have to watch it, only because I'm noticing there's one character in there I have not seen in movies in forever. Who's that? Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio. The Karate Kid. Yes. What is he doing in that movie? Well, he just. Okay, I gotta check it out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suggest, like I said, that one's a really good one. Um, another really good one that I saw, I don't know if you've seen it, is uh, Benefits to Being a Wallflower? No. Oh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Perks of Being a Wallflower. That's Wallflower. Sure. Probably one of the best coming of age movies I've seen in a very long time. Ever since, probably the John Hughes stuff. This is, like, the music that they're releasing. This is uh, starring Emma Watson. Yeah, and um, oh, I can't remember the two actors' names. Um, but it was just a fantastic. Oh, it was it was so oh. good. The music and just the 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 interactions of the character. It it it, it blew me away. Like I said it was. I raved about it. So I'm telling my wife, you gotta watch this. I'm put, I'm, I put the DVD in her,
1: her hands so and watch this now. Really? You're gonna like it. Yeah. Which is, I know I want to watch it. I wanted to watch it ever since I heard about it. Only because one person's in it that I never pictured being in that particular genre of movie, Tom Savini. Oh, I don't know if you noticed him in the movie or not. Yeah,
2: you, he has a he has a very standout part. In does that. he? Yes, he does. He, as soon as he, as soon as he appeared on screen, I go, oh,
1: "Wow, that's awesome!" Yes, he's like the king of horror, and he's in this particular movie. That's yeah. kind of what caught it's, my eye. Okay, I'll,
2: he plays a, a woodshop teacher.
1: Okay, so okay, okay, I can buy that.
2: Yeah. So I said it, it, it was a very fine movie. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. This is like it. It goes right up there with my love of like Cloud Atlas, and like I said, you just had to poke that one again, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> I know, i am sorry. It's just it was just a fantastic movie. Like all like you said, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Cloud Atlas. They're now so far up in the top. Well I'm gonna to have to start making a top ten list all Uh-oh. of a sudden.
1: Uh oh. <laughs> I see some more polls going well, up on. more the fake. polls, yeah. So
2: but it, it was uh I oh uh, again on the other end of the spectrum, I watched the drizzling shits of a movie called superhero movie brought to us by the uh, makers oh. of scary movie. Yes. I took a bullet for the team on this one. And believe me when I tell you, do not waste your 90 minutes. Uh, there's, I, there's way more and more important things to do, like washing socks or trying to wash your cat
1: or anything like that. Do not watch this movie. Yeah, I watched the first 10 minutes. I had it given to me, uh, a copy. I'm sure it was legal. And I watched the first 10 minutes, and I turned it off i I never do that with a man. I
2: was ne- not that smart. No? No, I, I, I... You had the hopes it would get better. No, I knew it wasn't going to get any better. <laughs> it's like a but car accident. It, 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 it was a car accident. <laughs> I just had to sit there and watch it.
1: Uh, it, it just... Wow. <laughs> you want to watch an interesting movie? I don't even know if I would categorize it as good, bad, indifferent. I was told about this movie and warned about this movie... But I watched it anyway. It's called The Human Centipede. <laughs> I did watch that nonsense. <laughs> that is the epitome of a car accident movie. Oh, it was brutal. Because you just... you're, you're watching it going, it's got to get better. I can't watch this. What is this? Oh my God, I got to look. It's...
3: <laughs> and then they
1: made a second one. Okay. I got to be... Uh-oh. I watched
2: about half of the, the sequel... Seriously? Seriously. <laughs> I'm not proud of that, but I did. <laughs> but uh, the, the best part about it is it was only half before I went, oh, this is enough of this Forget crap, it. and I shut
1: it off. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I watched it. <laughs> you feel bad.
2: <laughs> oh, now, hey, what are
1: you... The acting was okay. Some of the actors were good. In what? There was a couple of the, the prisoners that were... I like their acting, but... <laughs> I think the the dogs. I did like one of the dogs actually. (laughs) Okay, well, coming up this weekend. Oh, this weekend! I know two biggies. Oh, well, one biggie biggie and a half. The half is grown ups too. yes. You get to see that bunch again. Okay, great. Now we can go on to the next one. That's right. This is the one I've been waiting for for a long time. They better hope this doesn't
2: bomb. I don't care. I'll (laughs) I'll prop it up. I'll go three times if I have to. In 3D.
1: 3D. Pacific. You would go in 3D? If I had to. Really? Yeah. See, now this is a movie that screams 3D to me with monsters jumping off the screen and Pacific Rim. I guess I should get the title. Pacific
2: Rim. It. It's got to be bigger. P- Pacific Rim.
1: Pacific Rim. There you go. What now, is it? Pacific Rim. Yes. But what is it about? It is about giant monsters getting beat up by giant robots. Yeah. There's nothing else that needs to be said about this movie this, except. Oh, no, don't. There's no except. Oh, there is an except. Right. One of the best shows. Okay. On FX. Sons of Anarchy. Oh. Two of the major stars from that mo- that show are in this movie. Gemma? No, oh, no, no, no. Two of the major stars. Oh, oh, oh. Ron, per- Ron Perlman. I wish Tate was in it. Yeah, he Tig did. would be fun. <laughs> Ron Perlman and Charlie Hunnam are in it. Oh. So, play and Jax. Go figure. And there I banged on the table again. You, I, I mean, at least you waited this long to do it. Quit banging on the <laughs> table. <laughs> yes, that's what first drew my attention to it. I heard Charlie Hunnam was in it. So I started investigating it and finding out what it was about. I didn't even go that far. I just heard somebody goes,
2: giant monsters and giant robots punching each other in the face. <laughs> I'm in. Deal. Sign he me said,
1: up. I don't care who's in it. I'm in. This also has a really cool marketing ploy by Cineplex. They have the super ticket. Available. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got that email today, too. Yes. You get a ticket for the movie. You get a digital download when it's available. No. You get extra points for your scene card, no. and you unlock bonus content. Yes. Now I I don't know the exact price. We were trying to look it up earlier. It's around the seventy dollar mark. Yeah. But well, it's a,
2: it's a pretty good deal if you think about it. And we said you you get the the digital digital download before for everybody else does basically exactly. like the day of release. You're getting it at twelve oh one at night. And this uh, the even like you said the scene card. I love my scene card. Oh, I live by it. Yeah, that's I that's do. A, that's a, I think you you've hack the crack the code on how to do that right with the scene card. I just walk in and say, Here, take my card. Yeah.
1: Give me my popcorn. Yes. <laughs> no, I I've worked the system and I love the system. Oh yeah. I don't think I've actually paid for a movie in quite some time. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And so well, I think I'm I'm one movie away actually. I am looking forward to the super ticket only because there have been so many movies I've gone to see and you watch it and you get home and you go, Damn, I want to watch it again. Hmm. You know, but it's like two in the morning. and You can't go to the theater now. You'll have the digital download. Yep. I think a lot of
2: a lot of production companies are going to have to go this way to counteract piracy mm-hmm. because, like, well, you're not going to stop piracy.
1: Uh, your best bet is to mitigate the damage. You know, in all honesty, I believe the 3D that's out there now, it's becoming so mainstream, I believe is in effect trying to prevent piracy. Because you take your glasses off and try and watch a 3D movie. It is blurry as hell. Oh, it's terrible. What are most of the pirated copies coming out? Video cameras in the theater. Yeah, yeah. So you're just going to get the fuzzy screens. Yeah. So I believe that's part of it. Well,
2: hopefully. But. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it could work. I, I think if they offer it with the right movie, the right movie has to be bundled with this to make it really work. Yeah. And I think Pacific Rim might be the the first one to, for this triad, and it might actually work really well.
1: I think so, too. Yeah. And now, on a real quick note, coming up very soon, there's two huge movies that I want to see. Dude, tell. Red 2. Red 2. This looks good. Yes. I liked Red when it first came out. I thought that was sweet. John Malkovich is still my favorite from that. Oh, see
2: that, that said, <laughs> the the people in that movie are just like the the star power. See, we keep going back to star power, but that's what drawing the people to the movies. Like if you're if you don't like the people that are in the movies, you're not going to go to the movie. Exactly. And these people
1: can act like there's no tomorrow. Oh yeah, they're all tried and true. Yeah. Let me just. Pull that up real quick. I just want to remember. I know there's John Malkovich. I know Helen Mirren's in it. I know uh, Bruce Willis Bruce Willis is in it. Uh, Who else is in there? Oh, oh my God. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yep. Mary Louise Parker. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Holy smokes. Oh, and Titus Welliver. I love him. Especially from well, Sons of Anarchy. Yep. Go figure. And then I keep seeing commercials for another one coming up. RIPD. Yeah, you just told me about this one today. and It's got, again, a few stars in it that are really big. Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds. Um, I would argue that Ryan Reynolds is a big star. He still carries some weight.
2: Not yep. like he used to. Okay, I'll give you that. He does. He
1: Okay, yes. Okay. He, he's a star. <laughs> yes. Not one of the superstars. Yeah. Like, if we had to take the proposal back when he was actually a big guy. Yeah. Him and Sandra Bullock, I do believe Sandra still has the super in front of her name. I would think so, yes. Where he has just the star. Yeah. And then finally, I am so dying to see this, it comes out next weekend, The Conjuring. The Conjuring. You showed me a couple trailers online
2: for this. Man, this looks like it's going to be a scary-ass movie. I like scary movies. Not, oh, yeah. Not scary movie, the franchise, but... A good good horror ghost story. I'm really, off the
1: trailer, the two trailers that I saw, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, I can't wait. Really? This one is actually directed by James Wan. Okay? He's one of the producers and writers for Saw and Insidious. Yep. And I remember when he did Insidious, he did an interview sta- saying, I am not one of those people in a horror movie where we'll throw a cat at the screen just to make you jump. He says, if you jump, it's because there's something scary going on. Yeah, not a misdirect. Exactly. And from the trailers I've seen on this one, like the clapping hand trailer, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that clapping <laughs> hand trailer, that's oh, creepy as hell. <laughs> Just watch that trailer alone, and you'll want to go see this movie. Or not. Yeah, or Okay, or not, yes. <laughs> That'll make or break you right there. Yeah. If you had any inkling of not going, that would do it. So... I am dying to see it. Like I said, especially because James Wan. Yeah. I love James Wan from Saw and from Insidious. Yeah. It it was cool because I can't remember. Oh, and this is so sad. The two people that wrote Saw, James Wan and this other fella, whichever his name is, and I'm going to kick myself as soon as I say it. He actually starred in the movie, The Other Fella. Oh, yeah? He was the other dude chained in the bathroom. Oh, okay. Yeah. James Wan and he. I, I wish I could remember his name. But they were the ones that wrote Saw. And uh, they they dabbled in Saw, too. But then after that, it just went
2: crazy. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we're uh, closing in on the end here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Time for some uh, plugs, I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, what plugs do we have this quiz?
2: JX3. I think they're on
1: hiatus for a week right now. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, JX3 just wrapped first part of Principal Photography... Got to use the technical terms, oh, I'm <laughs> for <laughs> Heart's Journey. Okay, on Sunday, uh, it picks up again. I think mid to late September, finishing up with filming. Starting this weekend, uh, beginning of principal photography for Wilderness Journey, the um, okay. kids Wilderness um, Adventure, Wilderness Adventure. Sorry, yes, Wilderness Adventure. Yep. I had Journey in my head. <laughs> and okay, this is going to be sad. Don't tell anyone I said this. I actually have a role in this movie, and I read the script today. <laughs> <laughs> and you start shooting this weekend. I read the first couple pages of quite a few times, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll read this later. Oh, okay, I'll read this later. <laughs> I actually finally read it from front to back. There is some dedication to those crap, folks. That's why I said, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Okay. But uh, (laughs) it's a secret. Don't tell Corinne or Christina. Yes. (laughs) Just you, me, and everybody listening. That's a secret. (laughs) Um, I actually really enjoyed that script. I cannot tell Corinne that because it will go right to her head. (laughs) So, yeah, don't listen to this. Um, I'm looking forward to filming this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think people will enjoy seeing it. Excellent, you know.
2: Excellent. I, I,
1: I I'm really looking forward to hearing set reports from this.
2: Oh yes. Right. Um, the big thing that I got going on right now for um, this is July 13 uh, here in Chatham, Ontario at the Wish
1: Center. Headlock on hunger. Headlock on hunger. It's yes. uh,
2: J, uh G, G, GWN <laughs> Pro Wrestling presents JX GWN. Yeah, I know too many. PDQ. Oh, a handful of letters and <laughs> yep. numbers. GWN's Headlock on Hunger. It's um, pro wrestling. Um, what we're doing is the proceeds will be donated to the Outreach for Hunger Food Bank here in Chatham. So, if you are interested in coming, you can purchase advance tickets at Ogs Video at uh, Chatham and Blenheim. Uh, tickets are eight dollars in advance. Uh, you can get four tickets, a family pack of four tickets, for twenty five dollars. And then you can, if you bring in an unperishable food donation, you'll be given a limited edition poster signed by all the wrestlers on the uh, at the show. Oh, that's excellent! Yeah. So that being said, you can also bring your own posters. We like we love reading the signs that people bring in. Uh, bring stuff to be autographed uh, during the intermission. All the guys come out and like. All the good guys come out and have everything signed. Even the bad guys come out. You can yell at them, and they'll sign whatever you want. Uh, yeah, so come out to uh, the Wish Center in Chatham on King Street East
1: and uh, uh, and just enjoy the show. And this, the thing that enjoyed I enjoy about the GWN, like you said, it's a throwback to the original yeah. wrestling. Before the door was thrown open, and people now know everything going on. This is back to when the story mattered, when it was yeah. fun. It's, it's yeah.
2: the GWN is probably the only company like that left in Ontario that I can think of that we
1: provide that kind of a show for people, and that's what that's what it needs to be. <laughs> yes, yeah. it should be about the entertainment. So you said it's eight bucks in advance, eight bucks in advance, ten at the door. Okay, if anybody wants, they can send an email to me, and I can uh, get you tickets two for sixteen. I will cut you that deal. <laughs> you are all heart. I am
2: <laughs> all right. So we better wrap this up. So um, you can find the movie Madhouse. You can uh, find more information about us on Facebook. Yep. Um, we you can find you can go to themoviemadhouse.com. dot That'll redirect you right to uh, our or Libsyn accounts, so you can listen to the podcast there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the podcast, you can search for us on iTunes. Um, you can also search for us on Stitcher, the Stitcher radio app on that's, your smartphones. That's
1: what I used to listen to.
2: Oh, it, it, it's such an easy, easy thing. Um, what we like from everybody is feedback. Just if you could drop us a line on any of those. There's an email now, isn't there? There is an email. Uh, it is called the Movie House at gmail.com. And just send us all the inf- or send us uh, questions, statements, comments, uh, feedback. Let us know how you like the show, and, uh, and we'll try and do our best to field every question that's uh, sent to us. So I think we're going to... Especially if you have any kind of requests you want to send oh, in. Oh, yes. We do kind of have a request. A good friend of ours... Has requested that we do a show based on probably his favorite, well, not probably <laughs> his absolute favorite director and actor, Kevin Smith. Yes. So I think next week, if we can arrange everything, we'll get our good friend Jason in, and we'll have to make sure we watch a couple of Smith flicks. Somewhere along the line, you got to get me a list. I don't know if I've heard of him.
1: You just <laughs> kind of maybe scratched the surface of his... Yeah, <laughs> I I love his uh, New Jersey movies, like the oh what the Ask universe. Yes, yep. those yep. five movies. Yep. Yes. Well, we better no, no, don't get that.
3: Yeah, okay. That's next week.
1: Okay, Okay, thank you very much, everybody, for listening
2: to us. I'm Mike. I'm Rob, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. See. Ah. The good old days.
1: Did you hear how quiet that was? It, it was. was. Just, just a nice episode. Nobody bossing anybody
2: around. Yeah, no, it was a nice, nice discourse back and
1: forth.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Not getting talked over. All facts confirmed, not just off MSU.com. I know. See, like, I still <sighs> got to, You know,
2: MSU.com is taken. Yes. MSU.ca is available. Ooh. Not anymore after people, uh, yeah, they <laughs> jump all over jump that.
1: All over that. For anybody wondering, that stands for makecrapup.com. <laughs> Easy there, pal. <laughs> this is the PG show. That's why I said crap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, they said MSU. That's MC. That doesn't make any sense. Sure, it does. Sort of. Wow. Thank you for confusing the, uh, the nice audience. Yeah, I did.
1: Okay. Well that's it for today. I will be back next week with Mike and we'll confuse you some more. Oh yeah. yeah more, <laughs> more 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 damage is coming folks. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.